Welcome to the Small School Big Time Hoops Podcast with your host, Javon Masters. I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm sorry it's been so long between episodes. The one-month breaks are done, I hope. But in all seriousness, I really appreciate all the support and encouragement I've received towards the pod. Small School Basketball and the people involved are truly special. Before we get into this episode, if you haven't had a chance, go check out the opening tip to find out what this pod is all about. After that, check out some of the great guests who've already joined the pod. I know you'll enjoy our conversations. I'm excited to bring you episode number 12 today. Our guest today is the head women's basketball coach at Wartburg College in Waverly, Iowa, Bob Amsbury. In his over 23 years as a head coach at the collegiate level, he has amassed over 400 wins, nine NCAA tourney appearances, two Final Fours, and countless memories. We talked about his life before coaching and how one chance encounter led him into his first coaching opportunity. We talked about what it's like to to inherit a program on a 44-game losing streak and then to go 0-25 in year one. He tells me how he turned that program around before he decided that Wartburg was the place for him. Finally, we break down his tenure at Wartburg how one defining moment changed the trajectory of his coaching career, and then we go through each of the past five years where he has amassed a 131 and 20 record. Truly remarkable. When we come back, you'll hear from the head women's basketball coach at Warford College, Bob Amsbury. I don't want to spend too much time reintroducing our guest today. I know that he has a lot of great stories and memories he has to share, and I just want to jump right in. What I will say, though, is pretty much anything you can experience as a coach, he has been through it. With over 400 wins, multiple Final Fours, and numerous Coach of the Year awards, I'm excited to have Coach Bob Amsbury on the pod. Coach, thank you for joining. Yeah, awesome. I really appreciate you doing this, and um, you know, I think your idea of this podcast is awesome, and you know, I just can't thank you enough for promoting um, kind of what I think is a hidden gem to a lot of people. And those that don't understand small college basketball don't know um, what a great level it is. And so I just appreciate you having me on and appreciate this opportunity. Well, I appreciate that, Coach. And I couldn't think of a better guest to have than you, someone who has had a lot of experience at the small school and a lot of success. Um, you've been in the game as a head coach since 1997, and I think you could say that this off season has maybe been the strangest for you. For you, what has this off season kind of been like, and what are some of the major takeaways you've had um, away from the game you've loved? Yeah, it's a lot different. Obviously, typically um, this time of year we're out on the road recruiting, um, you know, going to events, evaluating prospects and all that has changed for us. Um, I know there, you know, there's a lot of people that are still out doing that. And um, I did have some assistance at one event. And after that event, um, we just made the decision that for us, um, that wasn't maybe the right thing to do. Um, you know, we're, we're committed to helping our league and helping our, our school hopefully have fall sports. And so we decided that we wanted to help and do our part to just kind of be in a protection mode. So that, that kind of changed a little bit how we've uh, attacked recruiting and, but, but we're making it, you know, there's, there's other ways to do some things that uh, we're, we're still figuring out, but um, 
you know, so that's been a lot different, but it's also allowed us to kind of step away from it and, um, appreciate some of the other things in our lives, I think. And, um, you know, I'm fortunate to be really close to both of my children and, uh, my grandchildren. And, and so we're able to spend some time with them. And, um, you know, I, I think that anytime you have, uh, obstacles, you look for ways to, to, uh, get through those. And then, uh, I think there's a silver lining in a lot of those. And I think that, uh, all of us can maybe get back to some of those other things that, um, we can enjoy as well. Definitely. And I think when you mentioned just being able to appreciate maybe the things outside of basketball, I, I've really felt that too. And even really appreciate some of the things I take for granted, like being able to go to the gym and just shoot around and do all that kind of stuff. It's something that I've missed a lot during this time. I want to jump right into kind of your story because how you got into coaching and how you got to where you are now is extremely unique. Um, We talked about it for a while the other day, but you went to college, you weren't a basketball player, you ran a little track, you said you didn't love it. And you didn't leave college thinking, hey, I want to be a basketball coach. Um, But some of the experiences that you had right out of college had a profound uh, impact on you as a coach. Coming from a family of teachers, you decided to break the mold and you you got a marketing degree. And after college, that led you to taking a job at McMurray College as an admissions counselor and then later a res life coordinator. Can you take us through kind of what that experience was like? And can you talk about how one specific experience in the lunchroom at McMurray kind of changed your life? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think as I, I look back on kind of my whole career and life and, um, you know, I think there's things that happen in life that um, just set the stage and, you know, I, I did make the decision to break out of education, but, you know, I think I was kind of fooling myself the whole time. Um, you know, so I, when I left BV, graduated from BV, I took an, a job in admissions at McMurray and I had gained some experience as a student uh, worker at BV in the admissions office. And it kind of sparked my interest. And, um, you know, as I look back, that experience in admissions um, was just great for me uh, once I got into into college basketball and especially at this level. Um, I just had a, a pretty good understanding of the admissions process and and recruiting and financial aid and some of those things that you can't really learn until you're in the middle of it. So that was a step up that I had already had and and then I, you know, I spent a couple of years in admissions and then took a, a job in res life, um, which w- was, again, a blessing um, as I moved forward in into coaching because I then understood another area of the college and what, you know, what students go through living on campus and some of those issues. And um, just to learn that side of it was was really good for me. Um, but kind of, you know, the, the back end of that question was, um, you know, part of my compensation at that time was, um, you know, I lived in the, in the building as a, a res life, uh, director and, um, part of my compensation was meals. So my wife and I, 
uh, went over to the cafeteria one day and got through the line and there's a there's a guy sitting there that we'd never seen before and um, we could tell that he was new um, and we looked at each other and we were like should we sit with this guy he was by himself and and we did and I had no idea that that one decision would basically change my life but his name was Don Mulhern. Uh, he had just been hired as the women's basketball coach at McMurray. And by the end of lunch, I had decided to help him uh, as a volunteer. And the rest is history. I love that story, Coach. It's, it's funny how things tend to work out like that. Um, during your time coaching at McMurray, a lot changed for you. Um, you have a son, which is another great story. So I recommend any anyone who sees you to ask you about it because I, I loved hearing that one. You fall in love with coaching, and you make the cha- uh, the change to pursue this whole coaching thing full time. You you go back to school. Um, you work to get your master's. Um, during your time as an assistant at McMurray, what did you learn as a coach, and how did it prepare you for your next stop? Yeah, you know, I I was always, um, or at that time, I was really green. I I really had no idea what I was getting into. I mean, I was, I played basketball and I loved the game, and I thought I knew a lot about it. And um, in some respects, I knew a lot, but in other respects, I knew nothing. Um, you know, and Coach Mulhern was just a great mentor for me, and one really one of the most genuine. people people that I've ever met and um you know he he gave me enough responsibility um and then let me work through a lot uh and then helped me when I needed help and um you know I I can't speak enough about what I owe him but you know probably the biggest thing that that I really took from him I mean I did formulate a, a lot of my early philosophies from Don um and those have changed over the course of time, but probably the biggest thing I learned from him was just how important, um, attention to detail was. Uh, and I really had no idea going in, um, what that even looked like, what that meant. Um, but to this day, I think that's the biggest thing that, that I really was eye opening for me, just how, much detail there was and um you know kind of what it took to be really really good um and and that's probably the biggest thing yeah and after your time serving as an assistant coach at um mcmurray you get a head coaching job at rockford college and the other day you joked with me that uh no one else must have wanted the job but in all seriousness, you were taking over a program that had fallen on some really tough times, having lost 44 games in a row. Why did you make the choice to become the head coach at Rockford? And what was your mindset going into year one as a collegiate head coach? Yeah, um, that's a great question. You know, as I look back, I, I had made a commitment that I wanted to be a full-time coach. And at McMurray, um, I had a full-time job, um, and then coaching was on the side, and and I just wanted to be able to 
be a hundred percent all in as a full-time coach. And, um, I did joke about that. Maybe nobody else wanted that thing, but it might've been true. Honestly, it, you know, at the time, I think they had won 10 games over the course of the last six seasons and it, it had gotten as bad as it was going to get. I mean, they had lost 44 in a row and, you know, but I just, I just wanted to be a full-time coach and I was young and pretty naive and pretty confident and energetic. And, um, I just felt like I, you know, this was kind of my chance in and, um, you know, so I took that leap of faith and, um, it was, it was, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know what I was getting into, but I had an idea and, uh, you know, that was another, I think, event in my life that just, just changed my, my whole life. And, you know, I had a lot of people at Rockford at the time that believed in me and gave me a chance and, um, really thankful for my time there. And there are times when you hear about a young coach taking over a program that really struggled and immediately turning it around in year one. Um, that, however, is not your story. Um, that first year, your team goes 0-25, pushing that losing streak to 69 games. What was that like for you as a young head coach and kind of for your program at that time? Yeah, it. Uh, I knew what I was getting into, so – you know, losing's really hard. And, um, anytime you lose that much, that's a struggle. And, um, but I, I kind of knew that going in that that first year would be really hard. Um, so I, it wasn't like I was surprised. Um, you know, some things that first year I felt like were really easy. Um, you know, I was coming in and had new ideas and had a new energy and, you know, that first team, I think we had seven kids on the roster and we had to figure out ways to practice. And, um, you know, those, those kids gave me everything they had and we just, we just weren't good enough or deep enough to ever win a game. And, um, but that year, you know, it, it shaped me in a lot of ways. And, you know, there, there were some things that happened that season that, um, helped me kind of formulate, some of my philosophy and um you know there were times where you know there, there were some things that happened to us and to our team that uh i'll never forget like coaches would leave kids in games to break records against us and you know i, I remember being down by 40 um one night and a coach brought a kid in um, a starter back in in the fourth quarter to hit three three more threes to break their school record and that that kind of stuff happened three or four times that year and I know how that felt and I know how that felt to the kids in our program and I vowed to never never be one of those um, you know so I think I took a lot of good things out of that it was it was obviously hard to to continue to lose but it was you know, it was a, a great experience for me looking back. That is something unique that you can say you've gone through and definitely has shaped how you kind of um, put yourself out there as a coach because you're kind of on the other end of the spectrum now. Um, before we kind of jump into that, I want to keep going through your time at Rockford. Um, year two comes along and you lose game one 
pushing that streak up to 70, which I believe you told me was an NCAA record. Yep, it, that uh, that was an NCAA record, all divisions at the time. Um, and we were reminded of that pretty much that whole previous year that that was coming uh, by a reporter in town. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we got to number 70 before – before we broke that streak and we won our the next game that year we won um to break that streak and land on 70 so i think uh coach you are one of the only coaches who can say that they got their first head coaching victory in year two so that's something you could take away from that (laughs) but um in all seriousness in year two you pick up six wins um for a program that had lost 70 in a row, that is quite the accomplishment. Um, after that six-win season, immediately led into an 18-8 and eight season. So in a span of three years, you go 0-25 all the way to 18-8. and eight. What signs did you see in year two that gave you optimism for the future, and what, was, what made that team in year three so special? Yeah, um, going into year two, which – really would have been my first recruiting class. We had a bunch of freshmen um, that were talented, but they were freshmen. And I, I felt really good about that class. And um, we were able to scratch out six wins. And, you know, had I been a little bit more veteran as a coach, we probably could have won two or three more of those that year. But um, I felt good about where we were, where the program was headed. And I really felt like if we could get another good class on top of that first one um, that we could become pretty good pretty quickly. And, um, you know, we got really lucky in recruiting and, you know, I, I think recruiting's you work really hard and sometimes you get lucky and you work really hard and sometimes you don't get lucky. And that next year was one where we worked really hard and, and happened to get lucky. And we got a player that really changed our program. Um, one of the best players I've ever coached to this point and Heidi Burkhardt. And, um, you know, she came in and was, she was a go-to kid that could do things that we, you know, when you needed a bucket, she could get one. And so we made a big jump in year three and, and we're 18 and eight. And there was a lot of excitement around the program. And, um, you know, we, we started put fans in our seats and, you know, it was a great year and um, we didn't have any seniors and felt felt pretty good about where we were going. You had a right to feel pretty good. After year three, you spend the next six years as one of the better teams in your conference. You won no less than 14 games and you had multiple seasons where you won 20 plus. You also made four NCAA appearances. So the how quickly you turned that program from 70 straight losses to NCAA tournament just blows my mind. Uh, that was kind of the first time in your coaching career where you led a program to sustain success. You had that program established. How were you able to do this, and what do you remember about that era of your career? Yeah, kind of the neat thing about um, the next year, that fourth season, um, we actually made the NCAA tournament. So, you know, if you go back to that first recruiting class I had um, as freshman they lost that first game. We lost that first game to get to 70. So they were a part of that 70 game losing streak. And then as juniors, 
we're sitting in the, you know, in, in pregame of an NCAA tournament. And I just reminded them of, of believing in a vision. You know, I was recruiting to a, a team that had lost 69 straight games and they believed in me and they believed in my vision. And here we were um, a couple years later, uh, they were in the NCAA tournament and that was really special. Um, it really was. And, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, I think that's something that all of us that were in that room together will remember forever. And, you know, sometimes you have to have blind faith and then work, work toward whatever it is you're going for. And, um, we did that. And that was one of the more special, um, special times in my career. And, you know, and then we, we were able to sustain that a little bit. We made the NCAA tournament four times in my time there. And, um, you know, I, it was just getting a bunch of people in the, in the same room, um, kind of pushing for the same goals and doing it together. And I was fortunate to be able to, to be around really good people that were able to do that. Yeah. And after, um, arguably your most successful two-year run at Rockford, you decide to leave and take the head coaching job at Warburg. And I know you mentioned to me there wasn't one reason why you did it. There's a couple of factors that kind of led you to making that decision. But one thing that really stood out to me was that you said that you believed Warburg had a lot of potential to be something really special um, in basketball what was it like for you to leave a program that you had built and established to go to a program that you'd be starting all over? You had another rebuild coming and you firsthand knew how hard this would be. Yeah, I, I, I knew it'd be hard, but I didn't think it would be, I knew it wasn't going to be what we had gone through at Rockford. Um, you know, I, one of the first things I looked at when I, when the Warburg job came open, um, you know, I looked at, how successful is their athletic department? And um, it's arguably one of the best in the country. And it was at that time. And um, the women's basketball program had had a rich tradition and, you know, had had a couple down years, um, but they weren't that far removed from winning conference titles. And, and the whole department was, was very, very successful. Um, I looked at, you know, how long had the, what was the tenure of the coaches within the department? And, you know, you go down the list and everybody had been there for 20 years. And so I knew that it had to be a good place. Um, then I, you know, I looked deeper and the ac academic reputation was great. Um, they were at that time building a $30 million athletic facility, um, you know, there were just things lining up that I felt like this could be a great place to be. Um, you know, and then we looked at the community and um, the community of Waverly and um, the educational system for our family. And um, it just it was just a great place to be. And um, I was I felt very fortunate uh, to get offered offered this job. And um, it's been a great run. In the looking back at it now, obviously it was a great decision for you and your family. Um, you have strong ties to Warburg. Um, in terms of basketball success, you didn't necessarily 
achieve that super high level of success that you're achieving now right away. In your first three years, you go 42 and 35, finishing 500 or above each year, a feat that 95% of coaches would take in a heartbeat. But I know that you expect more from your basketball program and yourself. You had come from a place where you had led a team that lost 70 straight games to four NCAA per, uh, appearances. Um, the year four is where you finally saw that first jump, finishing 18 and eight. That group set the stage for 2010-11 squad that finished 21 and five. We talked about this the other day, but I mentioned to you 21 and five and no NCAA tournament appearance. How does that happen? Before you take us through that kind of story and um, how that happened, can you take us through um, how that first team at 2010 to 11 were, was able to, sorry, 20, 2009 to 2010 was able to make that first jump and then how that 2010 to 11 team made an even bigger jump? Yeah, you know, the first couple of years, I think you got to come in and, and kind of establish your culture and kind of get that side of it going. And, um, and that was kind of our focus early on that we needed to figure out who we were, what we stood for, um, who we wanted to be. And, and that process takes a lot of time, uh, you know, and then you bring in your own, own kids, your own recruiting classes. And, um, you know, I felt like in year four, when we went 18 and eight, you know, those, those kids that I, my first recruiting class were juniors that year. So we had kind of been through some stuff and, um, they'd grown up a lot and they were, they were a pretty talented class and, and, you know, so going 18 and eight was kind of part of what I thought the plan should be. And, um, you know, we were, I felt like we were kind of off and running. We were, you know, and then that next year we were 21 and five and, you know, a lot of people don't know that how good our league was at that time and how, how good it's been really since I've been here, we consistently had kind of our top team would be a sweet 16 team. And, you know, so we were, we were probably the third best team. Well, we were, we were 21 and five, but we were the third best team in our league that year. And Co and Simpson at the time, both made the sweet 16 that year. And, um, you know, I, as I look back, we were a bubble team that um, just didn't have probably a strong enough strength of schedule, even though we had beaten Simpson and um, a couple other teams that were in the NCAA tournament. Uh, it was really hard at the time to not get in, um, but I really didn't understand the system. And now looking back, I know that we were a bubble team and we didn't play well enough down the stretch to get in. So it was pretty hard. <laughs> I think one thing that really stood out to me is you mentioned to me the other day that you weren't playing your best basketball at the right time. You, I believe you said you were 21 and three and you lost your last two games. And I, we talked a little bit about this, but what was it like for you and your team to have such a high of a season, 21 wins, and then maybe finish on a little bit of that negative. Like, how did you kind of turn that perspective for your players to kind of remember the good from the season? Yeah, I think any time that um, you maybe leave some stuff on the table, which I feel like everybody in our locker room felt that year, 
you know, if we get one of those last two wins, we're probably in, you know, one of those two games we lost, we get one of them, we're probably in. And, you know, so that's really hard, but, you know, I think any, any team, um, as time goes on, you're going to remember the journey more than, more than the destination. And, you know, that team kind of got us started here at Warburg and those kids were, were my first recruiting class that again believed in a vision and and we started to realize that vision and um, so that's really rewarding and you know all those all those guys are really supportive alums and um, still want us to do well and are involved and you know so they're still a part of what we're doing right now and we're a big part of of why we are what we are today. Coach, when we look back at your journey, um, it has followed kind of a similar path no matter where you've been. At Rockford, you struggled a little bit. Then you got some of your players in. You got your culture established, and you kind of just took off from there. Wartburg, it looked like he was doing the same thing. In that year five, you were 21-5. and And after that year, we saw something that maybe a lot of people didn't expect. Uh, Wartburg, you saw a little bit of signs of regression. Um, after that 21 and five season, you went 18 the next year, 16 the year after that, and then 12 the next. Um, your first losing season since 1998. Um, when you look back on those times, and you mentioned to me that was a very tough time for you as a coach and as a leader, um, what changed for you and your program that maybe led to some of these steps back? Yeah, you know, as I, as I looked at that, Um, at the time I felt like we were falling apart, honestly. Um, but as you kind of reflect, you know, I, I went back and looked at that season after we talked the other day and, um, there were a lot of things that just didn't go right. Um, you know, following the 21 and five year, we graduated some really, really good seniors, including Sam Harrington, who was MVP in our league, um, you know, she was, she was a really good player. We had great post player. We had a great shooter with her. Um, you know, we, we graduated some really good kids. So 18 wins that next year was really good. Um, mm-hmm. 16, the year after that was pretty good. Um, and then the 12, you know, whatever could go wrong that year went wrong. Um, we had, uh, our, our starting post player, Kay- Kaylee Cladabo was a an all-conference kid as a freshman she was coming back as a sophomore and she was in and out of the lineup all year with concussions I think she missed nine or ten games Uh, we lost our only senior to an ACL injury we lost our best freshman to an ACL in our first practice we lost another freshman in to an ACL in our eighth game of the year Um, it was just one thing after another and you know, as I reflect back, yeah, that was really hard, but there were, you know, <laughs> a lot of things that lined up for us to, to win 12 games. Um, you know, and, and we also lost a bunch that were winnable games. I, I went back through and I think we lost seven games by two possessions or less, you know, so it's, it wasn't like we were going to the bottom of the barrel all of a sudden. Um, it was one of those, one of those seasons that just kind of at the time is a nightmare and you get through it and, 
I do think that going through that year um, kind of shook us a little bit and gave us an opportunity to, to take the next step. You mentioned to me, Coach, that um, you kind of had an epiphany one day where you just woke up and you said, I either have to dig back in and really build this up or I have to get out. And you made the decision to dig in. And one person that you turned to and who really helped you and changed the direction of your program was Jim Miller. Can you talk about who Jim is and how he helped you during that uh, time where you were maybe struggling? Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I was in a state where, I mean, I was depressed, not clinically depressed, but I was depressed. And, you know, just going through that season after we had had a lot of success and had missed out on an NCAA tournament a couple of years earlier and, you know, things weren't going right. And, um, I did, I woke up one day and, and was just tired of being miserable. And so I had made a decision that, um, we're going to dig in and get going again. And, and so I went in that next day to the office, um, and went into Jim Miller's office. Um, Jim was the longtime wrestling coach at Wartburg who had won, I don't even know, maybe a dozen national titles um, at Warburg. And um, I mean, he was a winner. And I went into his office and I said, coach, we're going to win a national title. And he looked at me and he said, let's do it. And, you know, it was kind of a defining moment. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of defining moments throughout a, a person's life. And he helped me through that time. And um, one thing that he said, he said so many things. And I took so much from him and shared so much with our team and had him talk to our team a few times. But one thing that he said that I'll never forget that kind of changed me, kind of, it changed us, is he said, you don't win a championship and then start acting like a champion. He said, you, you start acting like a champion and then see where that takes you. And that just really stuck with me that um, we needed to do everything we could to act like a champion. Um, and, and it gave us an opportunity to, to go back and evaluate everything that we were doing. Um, and, and we use that with our team a lot about, you know, how, what would a championship team do? How would a championship team do this? Um, and it, it was just really powerful to um, have that kind of mindset. And um, so that off season was big for me. Um, and then our, our first meeting that next year, uh, I went in. I still remember we had dinner at my house and we were in our basement with our team. And I said to that team, I said, we're going to win a national title. And we haven't done it, but that was the mindset that we wanted. And that, that team took hold of that mindset. And that's kind of where we've been ever since. Well, after that decision, coach, uh, the 2014-15 season happened and you saw some immediate results. You go 17-11. and And if this says anything about the direction you've led your program, that 17-11 record is the worst you've had in the last six years. Um, you're on an incredible five-year run and each has led to an NCAA appearance and each is filled with special moments that I kind of want to touch on. We talked about each of those seasons and 
the other day and they were all unique and had special moments and special memories that kind of defined them. I want to start with um, the 2015-16 season. It was your first NCAA tournament appearance at Warburg, the first one since you were at Rockford, and it ended up with a final four run, and it almost didn't happen. You mentioned to me that at the time of the selection uh, day, you thought you had about a 50-50 chance of making it. Take me through that season and then that incredible run in the postseason. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'm going to take you back to the season before that just because I think it it's significant. We had, um, in 14-15, we had a, a great freshman class. Um, and honestly, I think if if people were ranking recruiting classes, we had probably the best class in the country. Um, and I knew that those guys were really, really talented um, so our 17 wins that year before was a, a year that we grew a lot. Um, you know, we went from those freshmen not knowing anything about college of basketball or what it took to win. Um, and through the, through that season before, um, we grew a lot and had a lot of situations where we just learned so much. And we actually, the year before we were in our conference tournament championship game and, um, we weren't going to win that game without experience. Um, but that, that freshman class was um, now sophomores in 2015-16 and had been through a lot. And, um, you know, so I, I felt like just the experiences that we had gone through that year before um, really set the stage for 15-16. And um, we had gone to St. Thomas and lost by – 25 or 30 in their freshman season and then um you know and that was a learning experience and kind of set helped set the stage but so 15 16 we got off to a great start um won some huge games um we had a a holiday tournament at our place in december right after christmas and it was three top 10 teams and wartburg and you know, we were unranked and people didn't really know at the time, but I knew we had a chance in that, in that tournament that we could compete if, if things were going right. And so the first day we, we beat Oshkosh who was ranked fifth or sixth, I think. Um, and, and really kind of controlled the game. We, we won by double digits. And then the next day we beat Wheaton who was also a top 10 team and, and, our kids all of a sudden were like, Oh, maybe we can do this. And, you know, being young and naive and, um, we went through a stretch in January where we struggled a little bit, um, lost five out of six. And, um, after, you know, those two huge wins. So it kind of shook us a little to kind of get back to playing for each other and being for each other. And, um, we went on a great run to kind of end the season, um, won five or six in a row, go into the conference tournament and get upset. <laughs> um, we, we did finish third in our league that year, and, but we had some huge wins. And um, so we lose to Coe on a Tuesday in the conference tournament. And, you know, people think, well, our season's over. And I had done – a little bit of the math going in and was kind of paying attention to that stuff. So in the locker room afterwards, you know, it's hard to lose. And 
you go through that and spring breaks coming up. And so on Friday, all these kids are leaving for, for break. And, and I said, I told them, I said, listen, you guys kind of got to stick around bids come out on Monday. Um, I think we have reasonable chance to get in maybe 50, 50 chance to get in. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And I, I know none of them really believe that that was possible but in the back of my mind I knew it was and so we had a couple kids we had twins um, our starting point guard our starting two guard um, were both softball players at Warburg and they flew out on Friday to join the softball team in Florida Um, and I had talked to their mom previously and I said yeah you know I'm not going to hold them back because it's no guarantee we're getting in and they need to do it and I said, but on Monday, you got to have your phone ready. And sure enough, Monday comes and we get the bid. And so I'm on the phone calling their mom and they literally were in the middle of the middle of a softball game. And Katie had gotten hit and scored a run in the first inning. And um, they pulled them out of the softball game and got them on a plane back. And then uh, we go into the NCAA tournament kind of with new life and, a confidence um and we we had two great weekends and all of a sudden we we're in the final four and i think something that's special about that team and they just had nothing to lose they they probably played pretty free and it created quite the memory and it kind of led into what you saw in 2016-17 um uh the group does even better in the regular season holding a 25-2 record going into the ncaa tournament uh, this wasn't a case where they were holding their breath to see if they were going to be in the tournament. They kind of knew. And in the first round, you play a, the University of Chicago, and it doesn't go your way. So you have a little bit more success, success in terms of wins and losses, but you don't quite make it as far. What do you remember about that year and kind of how it ended? Yeah, that year, let's see, that would have been 16-17. Um, we kind of picked up to start that year right where we left off. Um, you know, we were really good right away that year and we didn't play very many close games. Um, we were, we were blowing out teams right away and we were in a great flow early on. And, um, you know, I think we were undefeated going into our holiday tournament and then played Washington university who has just a rich history and, we lost that game in December um, in one of the best games I've ever been a part of. Uh, it was like high 80s. Both teams came down to the end, just back and forth, both teams making play after play. And, and so that was our first loss. And then I think Luther got us at their place, maybe, um, for our second loss. And um I don't, we didn't play very many games that were close. I think our margin of victory that year was 20. Um, you know, so we were, we were, we were good. And we played on the road in the NCAA tournament, which is another one that, you know, kind of baffled me a little bit. I felt like we had earned the right to host, but that didn't happen. And we got a really tough draw and played a Chicago team that, played a style that we weren't really accustomed to and you know I do I do think it 
hurt us that we weren't challenged a whole lot that whole year. We, we were pretty comfortable in most games and, um, you know, the Chicago came out blazing and we got down pretty, pretty, probably a pretty good margin early. And, but we were able to stay in that game and battle back and took the lead with one or two minutes left in the game and then just couldn't pull it out. So, you know, really disappointing. Um, you know, we weren't really taking things for granted, but um, we just ran into a team that played better than us that day and earned the win. And um, But certainly put a huge sour taste in our mouths um, after being in the Final Four the year before. And um, But again, I think, you know, that's another, another kind of hurdle that we had – had hit that kind of set the stage for that next season. And you alluded to it. You could kind of see it coming. Um, That class, that really strong freshman class, we're going to be seniors in the 27-18 season. And this season stands out uh, for me for a number of reasons. Um, It was your 20th as a head coach. And arguably it may have been the best team you've ever had. You returned every single player from that 25 and three team. You finished the regular season 25 and 0. So, 20 years exactly from the point where you'd gone 0 and 25, you go 25 and 0 in the regular season. Before we kind of talk about the postseason and that team, what was that like for you to kind of have that uh, complete 180 from where you maybe started? Uh, that was a that was a special moment. Um when we hit 25 and oh, we were down at central and my team didn't know really what I had gone through in my first year. And, and so after that game, um, just going in and sharing with them how special that was to me, um, you know, just to kind of come full circle, um, was, was really cool moment. Um, but that year, uh, we had returned everybody. We didn't have a senior on that 25 and three team. And so we returned every single player and we knew that, that, uh, we could be really good. And, but, but we struggled early, honestly. And, you know, the year before I, we, we kind of hit the ground running and, and in this season, um, we won our first couple games pretty easily, but, you know, a lot of people don't know that we also had, Two of our seniors, um, Aaron Jones was a volleyball player, and she was she was MVP of our league in volleyball her junior and senior year. And then Morgan Neuendorf, another starter for us, was MVP uh, in our league in soccer. And those guys every year were playing in the NCAA tournament in volleyball and soccer. So we were – we were without them um, pretty much their whole career for the first month of our season, Um, you know, first month with practice. And so they would join us typically three, four, five games into our season. And just the, you know, it it changes everything as you get a new player in the middle of the season. Um, Just they're talented, but they weren't quite ready and working them in and chemistry and, so, so that year, although we were really, really talented early on, we struggled and, um, we weren't playing selfishly, but we were standing around 
kind of waiting for each other to do stuff where the year before um, we played with great spacing, played with great movement, played together, played off of each other. Um, and it took us a, really probably until um, the end of December before we hit our stride. Um, but I think that was good for us because I, I remember a couple games early on that we were down double digits well into the second half that we had to figure out ways to win. And, um, and then we figured it out and about the end of December, um, we really hit stride and, and we're blowing teams out the rest of the way. And, um, you know, we were, we found again, what made us special. And, you know, I think we, we had one game that we were challenged, um, kind of throughout, with a, a single digit win. And, um, but the rest of the time we were, we were rolling. And your team rolled right into the postseason. Your first couple games were blowouts, just like the regular season. I think I saw like a 30 to po- point blowout, then a 20 point blowout, make it to the sweet 16, another blowout. And then you make it to the elite eight where you play a really close game, but you managed to pull it out. And I think, is one of those games that you can kind of um, attribute to you having to play some of those close games earlier in the year. You guys had kind of learned how to pull out games in adverse circumstances. And just like that, you're back to your second Final Four in a three-year span. Um, We talked about the game the other day, but I had never seen it, so I wanted to go check it out. And the first thing I have to say is – your fans really travel well and they were loud and there was a lot of them. So I have to give a shout out to the Warburg fans. But when you look back on that final four game, I know we talked about it, but it wasn't the best game that that group or that your team played it. It's funny. You guys were blowing everyone out and you make it to the final four and um, it happens to you. You kind of get run out of the game. Can you take us through kind of, um, that playoff run and what you remember and then that final yeah, four game. Yeah, for sure. So um, really special uh, that year. We uh, were the we, – we got selected to host um, that first weekend. And in our new arena, it had been – you know, I say new at the time. It was 10, 11 years old. But it was the first NCAA tournament game in Levick Arena. And our fans turned out. And we had – 2000 people in there and our first game i think we won by 40 had it going and but on good day two uh we played george fox who has a tremendous history and has a couple national titles and um you know in scouting them i was like holy cow i don't know if we can beat these guys and um you know at at that time of year if a team's playing really well um and you don't play your best some crazy things can happen and we came into that game and I wasn't honestly I wasn't really sure um they were as good a team as I'd seen and I think we put up 33 in the first quarter um really got it going and blew them out and honestly I couldn't believe it at the time um and then the next weekend we get slated to host again um, we play Trine, who I think was ranked sixth or seventh that year, and kind of same deal. Um, we got off to a great start, blew them out by 25, I think, and 
you know, just got rolling again. And it was another team that I was, I was like, holy cow, these guys, these, I'm not sure. But it was, you know, it was a, a case where we were in a great flow and it, it just went for us. Um, then in the Elite Eight game, uh, we play East Texas Baptist. Um, they played a style that we hadn't really seen. They played a really unique zone that early on in the first quarter we struggled a little bit, but then we found our stride. And I think we went up by 18 or 20 in the third quarter, and it looked like we were going to blow them out too. And and they give them credit. They made a huge run at us um, to make it interesting and I think we won by three or four at the end. Uh, had the lead the whole time, but, you know, just kind of held on, on on that one. Um, but then we go final four, and uh, we were really fortunate because it was in held in Rochester, Minnesota, which is an hour and a half from our place. And so we were hopeful that we'd get a crowd there, and, and we did. And unbelievable environment and facing Bowdoin, um at that time and and Bowden I knew was very very good but I felt like we we matched up well with them and <laughs> they kind of did to us what we had had done to those teams um in that run right before us they got on a big roll and we got on our heels and you know every time they exposed us and got an open shot they hit it and we didn't you know we we couldn't score and um, all of a sudden they blow us out. So, but I think that happens at, at that time. It, it can happen, you know, if, if one team really gets going and, um, and you aren't, and, you know, we, we kind of were on the other end of what we had done to teams leading up to that point. Thinking about that year, that 2017, 18 year, that was a special year you guys made Another run, 31 wins. That group of freshmen that had really been pulling you along were seniors, and they did something really special their senior year. And after that year, kind of a chapter in Warburg's history closes. You lose five starters, seven seniors, four 1,000-point scores. Everyone has to be thinking Warburg is about to have a down year. They might not be bad, but they can't be that good. Well, they were all wrong. 27 and four, another elite eight appearance. I think looking back, this probably has to be said as your best uh, job coaching. I, I think we all want to know how did you do it? Yeah. Um, you know, I think, you know, I mentioned um, defining moments and I think that was another one, you know, and you know, I take that from one of my favorite movies, Tin cup, you know, that, there's a defining moment, either the defining moment, you know, you either define that moment or the moment defines you. And, um, I went into our first meeting that year. We, the coaches poll had come out. We were picked second in our league. Um, we returned really two kids with a whole lot of experience, you know, both, both were in our rotation the year before. And then we had a couple freshmen returning, as sophomores that had gotten their feet wet, but weren't really in our rotation down the stretch. Um, so we were, we didn't know, um, you know, people didn't know, but we were lucky and had gotten a couple transfers, three transfers. 
that were all good enough to help us. Uh, but I, I felt like, you know, we were, we were either going to give in to what everybody else thought, or we were going to, um, take hold of the thing and do it our way. And, and so our first meeting that year, I went into our team and I said, we will win the league this year. And, you know, a couple of them looked at me like, coach, come on, everything we lost. And, um, but we had, we had, you know, those two kids that were in our lineup the year before were extremely talented and they took hold of it and they led us. Um, and it wasn't without struggle. I mean, we, early on, we didn't know who we were. We, we made a couple position changes, um, two, three, four games into the season. And, you know, it, it took a while to figure it out. Um, but, you know, those couple kids, Emma Gertis, Adrian Butker, um, they, they knew what it was all about. They had been through it. They knew what it took. Um, they were tremendous leaders and they just weren't going to lose. And, you know, I, as much or more credit goes to them than it does to me, they, they, uh, they made that thing happen that year. And, um, we're going to make sure that we kept going. The success they kind of led um, you to that year helped springboard more success this year. And it's really interesting to me um, with all the great teams you've had, all the great players. Um, you mentioned to me that you thought that this past year, so 2019 20, might have been the best team you've ever coached. 25 and 4, another NCAA tournament appearance, but it wasn't your deepest run not your most wins in a season. What makes you say something like that, that this might be the best team you've ever Yeah. Um, I just feel like we had everything on this team. Um, you know, if you look at, at Synergy, they have us as the, the most efficient team offensively in the country. Uh, we were lethal and we didn't have really anybody that, necessarily stood out but we we had a little bit of everything and um and and I had a player that might be the best player I've ever had is um, in Emma Gertis as a senior and um you know she just impacted the game so many ways um her stats aren't gaudy by any means and um but we were just lethal this year this past year and um you know there were there were uh several games this year that i just look back on and i i that baffle me um we had a game uh a conference game where we had 71 points off the bench (laughs) you know it's like what um we had (laughs) uh another game where we put up 43 points in one quarter um, against the team that had beaten us earlier in the year. So, you know, just we were lethal and we were very good defensively. And I got to give a lot of credit to, to our miss, my assistant, Kelly Jacobs, who is a wizard on the defensive end. She, she handles our defense and um, anything that she threw at our team, we were able to do and, um, you know, we were just, we were really good. And, you know, I, I think it, it just goes to show though, like anything can happen on any given night. And 
Uh, in our last game, we got beat by a really good team in Whitman um, at our place where, um, you know, we kind of controlled the game for three-fourths of it, and then they they took it to us at the end, and we couldn't get a stop when we needed to, and we lost a close game, and it was over. And it was, you know, that was really hard. But, you know, looking back, I, I had mentioned that most of the time you look back and you get over that last game by just in, enjoying what had happened and the journey and taking it all in. And, um, you know, and we were able to do that through time. Um, but, yeah, it was – this last team was an amazing group. Your journey, Coach, is one that I've really loved getting to learn. It's it's really unique. There's been so many different um, twists and turns. Before we kind of finish up the pod, I want to hit you with some rapid-fire questions because I think you're going to have some unique and kind of cool answers. You bet. These, okay? So who's the best player you've ever coached against? You told us some of your best players, but who's someone else that really gave you nightmares? Yeah. Um, you know, it's hard to remember all the great players that, that I've coached against, really. Um, but there are a couple lately, and maybe the best one was Kate Kerrigan, who was on that Bowden team. Um, I think she ended up National Player of the Year that year. When I started scouting them, um, she, you know, on paper she didn't stand out. I think she averaged 11 or 12 points a game not somebody that, you know, I, I thought we were going to have to key on. But when I started watching film, um, I was like, oh, man, this kid is good. Like, she just – she had an ability to make every player on her team so much better. And um, so she is one. And I'm, I want to talk about one other, um, Caitlin Langer. I think the year before the first final four run we made was a post player from St. Thomas. Um, she was a, she was national player of the year, I think the, that year. And she was a kid that you couldn't guard one-on-one. Um, she, she was that good. And so those are a couple that immediately come to my mind. Those are two good ones. Who's the toughest coach you've ever faced? Uh, it has to be Nancy Fay, who made those great runs at Washington University. Um, she was somebody that, when I was at Rockford, we played them uh, once. And she, at one point, had won 88, maybe 86, 88 straight games, four straight national titles. Um, and then when I got to Warburg, we had the opportunity to play them three or four times and there's nobody that had prepared like her. Um, and now she's, of course, at the university of Illinois as their head coach, but she's probably the, the best. I've heard that one quite a bit. Um, I've seen a lot of great things about her. Who's someone in the coaching industry you really admire? Yeah, it has to be my mentor, Don Mulhern, who, um, gave me that first chance at McMurray. Um, we've remained great friends and, um, he's a, he is a guy, you know, you're not going to find a more genuine person and he's somebody that, uh, I still admire to this day. And he's, he's one of my best friends. Coach, I, I feel kind of bad asking for this one. Cause I know it's almost an impossible task. But what's your best basketball memory? Yeah, I can't give you one. Um, so I'll give you a couple, four or five maybe. Um, breaking our, breaking that losing streak 
Um, you know, that first win is, is one that I can't leave out for sure. Um, our first final four run, obviously, you know, just, you know, getting a chance to even be there. Uh, that was, that was a really special one. Um, then going undefeated in the regular season and going to the second final four was certainly, um, memorable. Um, that next season, taking that new group to the elite eight was, was one that ranks up there. Um, and then this last year, um, getting my 400th win, you know, I'm not one that is all about milestones, but that night was really special because I got to share that, um, milestone with Emma Gerdes, who scored her thousandth point in that game. And Emma's a kid that, you know, Emma's one of those players that you, you get very few of in a coaching career. And Emma and I, I really saw eye to eye and she, um, she thought the way I thought she, um, she was really that coach on, on the floor all the time. And just to share that night with her and that those milestones together was, was a really cool moment. Those are all special ones. And I'm sure there's 20 more that you could have gave me. That would have been just as special before we kind of wrap up um, our conversation. I've really enjoyed getting to hear your stories and taking a trip down memory lane with you. Um, you have truly done a lot of special things at Wartburg and before that at Rockford. Um, but I want to talk about Wartburg for a prospective recruit student or parent who wants to know more about Wartburg and your basketball program. What would you say makes it a special place to continue your academic and athletic career? Oh, wow. You know, there's so many, um, you know, I think the people are probably the thing that is the biggest, um, the biggest strength of Warburg is its people. And, you know, I think there is a pride here that doesn't exist at a lot of other places. Um, you know, I think that having the balance between great academics and great athletics um, and, and the ability to just do both at a really, really high level is something that makes Warburg unique. Um, you know, I think, people that have been here are going to point out that we might have the best facilities in the country, definitely the Midwest. Um, and, and we do, but that's not what makes us special. You know, I think, I think just the people and then the ability to, to be great in both academics and athletics. Well, coach, I really appreciate you taking some time just to talk to me and share your story. I couldn't think of a better person to have, on the podcast and I know we're both in a similar spot where we're just trying to do our best to remain optimistic in hopes of having a season, whatever it may look like. And I know um, there's an opportunity where we might cross our path soon. I'm hoping that can happen, but I just want to thank you for, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to kind of rethink about all the things that have happened throughout my career. And, you know, I think what you're doing to uh, kind of get the word out there on how special, uh, athletics can be at our level is a pretty cool thing. So appreciate you taking the time to have me on.
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the head women's basketball coach at Warburg College, Bob Amsbury. Once again, I want to thank Bob for joining the pod. I'm extremely appreciative of him taking some time to talk about his unique journey and how triumphs and adversity have led him to where he is today. If you made it all the way to the end of the pod, I want to say thank you to you as well. If you enjoyed the Small School Big Time Hoops podcast, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and keep tuning in. If you know someone who loves the game of basketball like you do, help them out and share the pod with them. We have a lot more great guests joining the podcast soon. This is Javon Masters with the Small School Big Time Hoops podcast, and until next time, stay safe, stay positive, and keep growing the game.